Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's Tuesday, November 29th, and today on Texas Rangers with the boys, Kevin and Bull are going to start talking about the outfield. They're going to start in left field. They may bleed over into center field, but they're going to talk about what the Rangers have and what the Rangers have in their farm system. So find out today on Texas Rangers with the boys what the Rangers have in the outfield. And welcome to Texas Rangers with the boys. We are the boys. My name is Kevin Frazier a.k.a. YBK, your boy Kev, and uh, the co-host with the most. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin Lee Frazier. Joining me is my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the beard that never ends, the 300-pound manimal bull, a.k.a. AKA bull. Bull, how we doing, buddy? How uh, how you doing? And where can they find you out on the world of social media? Well, as as always, and as you will find 95% of the time, that uh, I, am, I am very stable and in the same spot I was yesterday when we talked about how I was doing. So uh, I would say that I'm doing pretty good to very good. And uh, you, can, you can find me over on uh, Twitter at Manimal Bull. Find me on uh, Instagram at Manimal300. I'm still trying to figure out TikTok, but someday I'm going to have a handle on that. And uh, and re- remember, we've got uh, Bullfro on on Facebook. <laughs> I feel like Facebook is my favorite one for some reason. <laughs> like every every time, like you're just waiting for me to like to set up the, how I'm going to get into Facebook. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I'm like, I, how's you know, he gonna mom, say Facebook? <laughs> my mom's on Facebook, so I try not to, you know, I gotta keep it real, you know. Like I got like I gotta I gotta survey to her, you know, like <laughs> men really at the end of the day, that's all that's all what you anyone really wants, right? It's just for their, their mom to be proud of them. <laughs> <laughs> just just in case you stumbled upon this podcast, what we are doing is talking about the Texas Rangers in general, but right now we're talking about that sweet lady, um, um, who I've heard cooks a mean stuffing. Um, so just whole Thanksgiving meal, just the whole <laughs> damn thing. Oh. Well, well, let's get into it today. We we are talking. We, what we've been doing. Um, if you're just starting with us, we've been going around the different positions. Um, that the Texas Rangers, uh, just who's going to play, who we believe is going to play this year, maybe who's coming up on the on the farm system, and then maybe who we think they uh, could could use in free agency. And so today we're going to be talking a little bit of left field. Um, I will say this: if you want to know what we think about corner outfield free agents, you can go jump onto our episode two. We talked 
about that on there. So we won't go too much into the free agents today because there's really been no news. Uh, but what we're really going to like to talk about is who they – this is a really – I feel like this is a really interesting position because you have so many moving pieces. Somebody's going to have to win lots this Lots of young position. guys. Yeah, lots, yeah, of, young lots guys. of young guys. So, Bull, let's, let's jump into first things first. Who, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of these guys already, but who do they got and, and who do you think is kind of the front runner for that uh, left field position? Well, I think right now, I think that the uh, job probably belongs to Bubba Thompson. Hmm. Uh, if I had to, if I had to go out and give it to somebody right now, I would say probably Bubba Thompson. But that doesn't mean that that's going to be the case in 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 February or hell, even next week. You know, I mean, things could change that much by next week because. Uh, you know, there are some good free agents and, you know, we've talked about the good free agents, the guys that we like, the guys that uh, we wouldn't mind seeing Texas bring over here. And uh, maybe even some guys that Texas may not bring over here and that we just like. So uh, um, we've already talked about those guys, but as of right now, I would say with Bubba Thompson and then right on his heels, probably Eli White and Josh Smith. And then maybe developmental-wise, you know, possibly Ezekiel Duran. And then uh, I'd say their probably top prospect outfield-wise in left field would probably be Dustin Harris. And then they've got uh, J.P. Martinez, who was uh, a a Cuban guy that they signed the year that they missed out on um, Shohei Otani. But uh, he hasn't really progressed real well in the minor league level. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, you just you still don't know about him. And, and it's kind of like all the guys, you know. I mean, we don't know. We know that Eli White can play a good left field. We know he plays a good center field. But, I mean, he still hasn't hit. Same thing with Bubba Thompson. Although he did have, I want to say, like seven bunt hits last year. Um, so, you know, I mean, he's got to find a way to get on because if he gets on at anything over a 325, 350 clip, he can be really dangerous in left field. Cause it's almost like you can just put him on second base. Cause I mean, he, he can still bases at ease. Yeah, man, the guy I, I'm a, obviously we're kind of, you know, based on our age bracket here, we're kind of throwbacks to the day and age when stolen bases still mattered. And, you know, obviously we both uh, watched Ricky Henderson and you were a, even probably a Vince Coleman fan growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. That was right and... in my right in my wheelhouse of time where I thought everybody had a guy like that that stole a bunch of bases. Well, yeah. You remember there was like uh, – you had Willie, uh, Willie Wilson. He was a good guy. Brett Butler, that was another guy, stole a lot of bases. That, that era, you had a lot of players, a lot of teams that had – at least had one guy that you felt yeah, like they Tim could Raines get on was base a good. Still, still, yeah, perfect. Tim Raines. Um, so I think personally, like the sky is the limit in terms of Bubba Thompson and stealing bases. If the guy gets on base, literally, he could, he could, he could really be one of those kind of a, a, a renaissance man, so to speak, because one, watching him last year, you couldn't throw the guy out, man. He was just electric. On the yeah, pass. I mean, if you threw him out, it was because he overslid the bag or something like that, like because yeah. yeah. he was going so fast that he just overslid <laughs> the bag. He, 
he beat the throw by 10 feet, but he overslid the bag and the tag just happened to hit, you know, like that was how they were getting him out. I mean, so it, it, not, that, it didn't happen that often, but he just seems like one of those kids that if he can find a way to get on base at a 350 clip that, I mean, he's, you can put him in that nine hole and let him roll. Just let him I hit agree. in front, you know, I mean, because if he's on first base, it feels like he's on second base. So what do you feel like is the the base, like the bottom, the the, the floor for, because I feel like they want Bubba Thompson to, to win the job. So, like, what's the floor for him? Like, you know, batting average, on-base percentage, because I don't think they even care too much about the slugging because they if you get him on base, he's a threat to score a run. Well, yeah, so, I mean, scoring from first base on singles and stuff, you know, I, I mean, he's right. got that kind of that kind of speed. And, you know, I mean, Josh Smith kind of has some good speed, too. He's not a slow guy. I, I want to say he scored, actually really did score from first base on just a, a single earlier last year. So, you know, I mean, there's some speed out there. And we've all talked about Eli White. Eli White's one of the fastest guys in baseball, too. So they've got some some real definite speed out there in left field. It's just kind of harnessing it, bringing it in, and figuring out how to get it on base. Because, I mean, I felt like, you know, you were talking about yesterday that Josh Smith made a bunch of really great plays at third base, but he also, I feel like he made a bunch of really good plays out in left field, too, when he had an opportunity to play out there. He doesn't have much of an arm. Bro, but, I, I love uh, Josh Smith. Like, I, these, these are the two kind of guys that I – Think, I think baseball teams need more of these kind of guys because baseball is a sport, you know? Having guys that are athletic, that are multifaceted, that can do a bunch of stuff, I just think they're valuable to a team, and especially when it comes to, like, doing the one thing that you have to do in baseball to win, and that score runs. And guys like that find ways to get across the base paths, and they can score runs, uh, well, especially when you got a lineup like Texas has. And I feel like uh, Texas also, I mean, when you look at all, if you don't just stop at left field and you look at center field, I mean, the depth chart behind Leotis Tavares in center field is going to be Eli White and Bubba Thompson and even Adolis Garcia, who is mm -hmm. probably going to be the starting right fielder. I mean, even a guy like Adolis, I mean, he can play any of those outfield positions. So if you do go out and get a Mitch Hanniger or – a, a, a Joey Gallo or somebody like that that is a primarily a right fielder. I mean, there's no reason why Garcia can't play any of the three outfield positions. And, I mean, if you do go out and maybe get both of them, that Garcia couldn't play center field too. So, I mean, it's like they've got a plethora of outfields and now it's just kind of like figuring out which one of these prospects are worth their weight and salt and which, ones, which one of them are, are going to be like a – you know, a non-tendered guy probably next year at this time. Yeah, and I'm not giving up on Eli White. Like, I'm not. Like, I, I don't – He, I don't know why, but for him, to me, for some reason, he, he's like Greg Bird to me. He's like – he just seems like a guy that, like, you want – that has all the stuff, but it just it just doesn't seem like it ever comes together for him. But I, I hope that's not the case because what do, we, what do we gain from any of these guys not becoming stars, you know? Nothing. Well, we I mean, want to see them the all turn only, out. The only time we gain anything by them not turning into stars is if we trade them, you know, before they get here. <laughs> so then, then we don't gain anything. I mean, but I could see 
any of those three guys to uh, uh, Thompson, uh, Smith, White. I could see any any of those three guys being traded in the right package too. I mean, I mean, there's they're at that point kind of where everybody else is kind of interested in them too. They're not just. You know, they're not hidden anymore. They're not. They, there was enough of them last year to see that Thompson gets on base a lot. Or I mean, that Thompson has the ability to get on base if he can bunt and 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 if he can figure out how to draw a couple of more walks. And Josh Smith, I mean, he had an eleven percent walk percentage last year, which is I mean pretty high for a rookie in the big leagues. So you know, I mean, he had good at bats last year. I, I think uh, you know the pressure of kind of getting thrown in the leadoff position early in your career isn't exactly the best decision to be made, but you know, he was there and he was still having good at bats and having uh, competitive at bats where I think if he would have been in the nine hole, maybe those, those at bats would have fallen his way a little bit more and not been such pressure situations to get on base and, Maybe his walk percentage might have been up a little bit more, and his on base percentage altogether might have been up a little bit more. But you know they were they were in a position where they didn't have just a super ton last year, and and you know you got to make decisions, and and you know sometimes I feel like they just kind of made the wrong one. Yeah, I, I agree with Josh Smith because it's like because sometimes and again you know. Um, I'm just gonna be real, guys. If you're listening to this show and you're uh, you know, a Chris Woodward, you were, you were a Chris Woodward guy and you'd feel sad that he's gone. We're probably the wrong show. I don't uh, think anybody was a Chris Woodward <laughs> guy though. Like, I don't think anybody, but, like, I don't know. It's, so, it, there was nothing to him to be behind. So I don't really think there were any of these people that you're talking about right now. <laughs> well, to, but all that to be said, it seemed like, you know, when Woodward would get a guy that he, that even had any kind of success, it's like it was like a new toy, you know, and he would just kind of over overexpose that. Yeah, that, I mean, he, him. he did it a lot. Like, I mean, he did that uh, in in nineteen. He did that a little bit whenever he first came over here, when they were having a little bit of success, and he was moving guys around in the lineup, and never really gave anybody any consi- consistency ever. Like, I don't think yeah. I, I mean, I never remember them using the same lineup. He always was trying to get guys' days off. And, and you know, sometimes guys just need to play. They don't need yeah. those days off. They don't need those, especially not in April and May and June. You're trying to work guys into days off. And I get that, you know, it's a long season. But get them guys' days off in July and August when you're into the dog days and it's and it's starting. But you're looking to put a different lineup out there every day. And, and I don't know. I mean – I never saw I, n- I never saw any consistency to those lineups that they had, even even as far back as nineteen when they were playing the same guys every day. Yeah, and and I don't want to harp too much on this because it's like crying over. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think it. Yeah, and I just think though, but I think it is relevant that I think that hurt some of the development of everybody in general, whether they were a veteran or a young player. Um, and I'd like to, I like to think that some of these guys are going to get a little bit more of a stable environment uh, to grow in with a manager who's a little more seasoned and understands player development, I think, better uh, than the one we had prior. And that's why I'm kind of excited to see, because you were talking about Josh Smith. I feel like, and again, I may be going on a limb here, 
But he was like, if not the best, top three on the team in plate discipline. When he was up there, I mean, he was he knew what he wanted to do when he was at the he, now. Granted, it's major leagues; he wasn't always getting it done, but he had a plan. You know, he wasn't just going up there free swinging. He was trying to get on base. Well, there, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think uh, I think especially on a lineup like the Rangers that it, it's I mean. When you think of Garcia and you think of Seager and you think of uh, Simeon, there's a lot of free swinging going on with mm-hmm. those guys. And Seager's, I mean, Seager will tell you that he attacks first pitch fastballs because that's the best one he's going to get in the at bat. And I, I get it, you know. I mean, and then mm-hmm. and it makes a lot of sense. It does. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna throw me a first pitch fastball that's somewhere in the plate and I hit bat, I hit first pitch fastballs better than anything else I hit. I get it. You're, you're going to swing at that. So, you know, he's kind of a different – he's an oddity – or not really an oddity, just kind of like a, a, a different kind of uh, approach guy because he's he's up there to hack and he's up there to hit home runs and be your best hitter. So I get it. I get what, why he does what he does. And, and so you need a guy like Josh Smith that can see a lot of pitches. And I think Simeon does a good job of that when they put him in the – leadoff role too, but he had a whole couple of months where he wasn't seeing the ball at all. Yeah. 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 And again, why, and I'm not going to harp on this too much, but I'm not sure if taking him out of the lineup is the case is, is the right move there. Just, just my opinion, but I'm not a major league baseball coach either. Um, so, so we talked about Smith a little bit. We talked about Bubba Thompson. We, we haven't talked a lot about Eli white, but I think we kind of know what we got. If the guy can hit just a little bit, He's going to play. I mean, he's got everything else. If he gets yeah. hit, what, what would you well, say even, is like, what does he have to hit? Like, like, what does he have to hit to get on the field? Well, I mean, he can hit 215, 220, but he's got to add three or four walks a week to that. Mm-hmm. And he's got to get on base at a 300, 320 clip. He can't just he can't get on base at two fifty with a with a two ten batting average and expect to get playing time because you just gotta you gotta have something else. But if he can hit if if he can get on base at a three twenty five clip, he would play a lot more just because you know, he's another one of those guys, honestly, that if if he's on first base, he could be on second. Because right. he's he's got that same kind of speed that uh, that Tavares and Thompson both have, they're all three just really fast guys. And I think Tavares is the most accomplished center fielder of the three. But I think of like the outfield upside, Eli White might have the most upside of those three guys because he was a shortstop in college. He wasn't a guy that uh, you know picked up the uh, center field position until later in his life so you know so or later in his you know early in his minor league career which is later in his baseball career so i i don't know if we got a whole lot left in terms of of left field but i will say this just to kind of just to reiterate what i think is um what i think maybe we might both agree on is that of all the positions this is kind of the most exciting in some ways because we know somebody's going to have to actually win the job. Oh my gosh. I, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh. Mm. Something you going down. That, you, 
You know what that means when uh, the groans start happening. What are you thinking about we Brad forgot, Miller playing left we field? For, we forgot somebody, man. Oh, the groans uh, mean that we need to talk about Brad Miller playing left field? Uh, I mean, he's still on the roster, isn't he? You know, like, here's the thing, man. I kind of, like, uh, forgot about it on purpose. <laughs> I did like I mean it's not that I didn't know that he was still on the roster and it's not that I didn't know that he played some left field last year. I was just kind of like trying to see if we went through the whole show without mentioning Brad Miller if <laughs> if anyone would notice. And I mean, hey, this groans for you. <laughs> oh, hmm. So, that was all getting I think on our show uh tonight. So, what about but now, yes, he's still on the forty man roster. <laughs> yeah. The... <laughs> yeah, but there is some exciting stuff in the minor leagues, though. Um, you've mentioned uh, we we've met, uh, there's one guy we've mentioned a couple times, uh, but there's another guy too that that you're really excited about. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of a you know pull back the curtain a little bit on what the Rangers have uh, in the minor leagues that might provide some value either this, you know, late in the year or maybe even next year. Well, of course, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about uh, Dustin Harris and JP Martinez and some guys that are at that triple a level. But I think one guy that they've got that may end up being a corner outfielder and may end up being a left fielder more than a right fielder is, is, uh, Evan, is it? It's what's Evan, his name? Carter. Evan, Car- Evan Carter. Evan that's Carter. That's I don't know. Okay. You know, I wanted to say Evan Martin, and I knew that wasn't right, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> and thought if I, if I if I waited long enough, it just come to me, and then it didn't. So uh, Evan, <laughs> you know, Evan Carter. You know what's funny? Uh, you know what's funny, Bull? Uh, sorry to digress here, but I was listening to one of my favorite uh, podcasts to listen to is the Locked On. Uh, Cowboys uh, show because I really like Landon McCool and uh, and uh, Marcus Mosier and I think they do a great job on their show. Uh, and one of the funny things is uh, he uh, Landon today. I was listening to the show today and he he had a similar moment as you just did. So it happens, bro. It it Man. happens regardless of what level of podcaster you are. You know, it's still not exactly something I want to happen. Just because it happens to other people too, it make it, it worries me because you know I'm starting to become a a forty something journeyman pro wrestler anymore. So it worries me about little things like that where I can't remember the number one or close, you know, one of the top prospects in in the Rangers pro- system. But I think he'll probably enter next year as their top prospect. I think he's he's kind of earned that right and. And I think that he probably won't be much for the minor leagues next year too. I think he'll be, he'll be in Frisco to start the season. He'll play in the futures game and get pushed to Round Rock, and they'll be looking to get him on the field maybe at the end of the season next year, if uh, if they're not if they haven't found that stopgap. You think they'll do it anyway? You think they'll do it anyways, even if they have that? You think they'll do it anyways if he's if he's as good as we think he's going to be? Maybe, maybe. It just depends now. It's kind of like, do they want him in left field or right field? What's their plans with Adolis Garcia? Uh, uh, is Tavares going to stick in center? You know, it's like they got like a couple of questions that need to be answered kind of first before he comes up. But once he's here, he ain't going back. 
he's gonna. <laughs> I mean, exciting. he's he's. What do they say anymore? He's got that dog in him. Oh, like he, well, he just. I mean, he's he was nineteen playing up, twenty playing up, winning Gold Gloves for all of minor league baseball. He's just. I mean, he's a little bit. He's a better caliber player than than uh, than what we kind of thought. Like when he was drafted and I think somebody was really on that guy and, uh, and saw an opportunity to steal him while nobody was paying attention. Mm, Cause he went second round, right? Yeah. Like Cause he probably, yeah, he probably goes to college if, if the Rangers don't take him, I mean, and then he'll, he'll be back in three years or whatever, just given the Rangers nightmares when he's taken first overall. <laughs> Cause that'd have been the case. I mean, let, let's see. Next 2020, next year would have been his first year, his first eligible year to be drafted out of college if he goes to a four year college. So, I mean, he would have been, he probably, we'd be talking about him as the number one draft pick in, in baseball. Wow. wow. Well, so what a steal. And it seems like the Rangers seem to know, seem to be making some really good moves in the draft over the last few years. And that's, that's extremely encouraging. Um, well, we, we, okay. So I feel like we kind of, we kind of hit, hit our, hit our, have we taken a whole lot of time? I, honestly, we haven't because I don't know enough about him yet. Tell me a little more about Dustin Harris. We, we've talked about him in passing, but maybe give me like, I don't know enough about him to, to have any kind of idea of like what kind of player he is and, and maybe what kind of value he brings to the team. Well, okay. So Dustin Harris I know we got into him a little bit when we talked 40 man rosters because he got put on the 40 men earlier this year, but okay. um, he's just one of those guys that um, he can hit. He could play some positions. He doesn't really play any of them extremely well. Cause you know, Nate Lowe was a third baseman coming up mm-hmm. or played a little bit of third base early in his career and kind of got moved across the diamond Dustin Harris is kind of that guy that, I mean, I I could see him, you know, playing first base, especially, you know, uh, in the future here, if something, I could see him playing first base more. If like, if Nate Lowe goes down, I could see him being the guy that takes that spot at first base. If, if for example, Huff is needed catching or, or not hitting at that particular time. Um, but third guys, I mean, he's still a guy that's going to start the season at probably double A, triple A. I don't think I think he'll he'll move up. I think he might have even moved up last year at the end of the season. But I don't think they have any plans for him to start in the on the big league club this year. And I don't know exactly how how much they're going to have him play anywhere besides left field in triple A this year. So that'll be kind of the, the find out. That'll be that that what do we know about him as he as he plays every day getting ready to maybe take that make that jump awesome well man i don't know if we got anything else to talk about i think if we try to get into something else we'd we'd run a little long yeah Um, i mean i guess we could maybe talk about the idea of right field because they're again when you when we're when we're talking about right field and and prospects, I think the same things jump out with Evan Carter, possibly um, Dustin Harris. 
Um, but really, there aren't a whole lot. I mean, like with Evan Carter right now, you've got one of those guys that you feel like is going to make it, so or, or it's going to hit. So you're kind of seeing what they make, what attempts they make. Could be a one-year guy just to kind of fill that gap this off-season. Um, move with Dallas Garcia back to center, if but I don't know. I just don't know. I think they're still going to try and develop Leody Tavares and Bubba Thompson. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Unless those guys are dealt, and I don't know if that's going to be the case. And then mm. you know we could talk about center field, but I think it's going to sound a lot like left field, but with Tavares in the one hole and and right, right. White and, and Thompson behind him. Right, and, right, and, yeah. And I don't know how much they want Smith playing center field. I don't know. I mean, uh, they like Smith. So, you know, he may be the guy that ends up being the utility guy of all these uh-huh. dudes. But And at the same time, I mean, you know, liking Smith in 2022 with Chris Woodward and liking Smith in 2023 with Bruce Bochy are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, that, that's the funny thing is, is our whole context, our entire, like, you know, lens, the lens that we're looking at the Rangers from is the Rangers with Chris Woodward and, and uh, Beasley. And, well, and Beasley will be back. Right. Right. But, you know, Brochi may have a whole different idea and he may view these guys completely different. And And this is the funny thing too, you know, like, as much as we know about them statistically and, and maybe we can watch about them um, from, you know, just from our perspective, the coach's perspective is going to be completely, I would say completely different, but they may see things and have an idea of what they want to do. That's completely different. And you never know that, that Bochi and his staff might find value in players that we may not, you know, like I said, we've been watching, watching the Rangers through the lens of the Chris Woodward, the Chris Woodward, John Daniels era. And maybe, maybe there's, there's, maybe he sees things differently and maybe finds, we may, we may be talking about completely different people, uh, you know, 60 games into the season. So I I think if there's a guy in baseball right now that I would trust, I would say that uh, Bruce Bochy is one of them. He's got a lot of, He's got a lot of finger pieces that says that he's uh, he knows what he's doing. You know, I mean, he comes here and gets one more, and he's got one for every finger on that. You know, I mean, of course, uh, of course, thumb excluded. But you know, that's still a pretty good accomplishment if he can come here and even get one and 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 turn this thing into a a winner. Because I, I mean, Dallas is a baseball. You know, Dallas would be a great baseball town, just like they're a great football town if mm-hmm. they thought Ray Davis cared as much as Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. That You know, you bring up a great point. And I think, you know, growing up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, baseball is a very much a part of the fiber of the Dallas-Fort Worth community. Um, and, and even the – and Arlington. And so you don't get that same kind of representation – uh, at the professional level that you do with football, because it, it just, just because they haven't won a lot and there's not a culture really of winning in baseball at the professional level, as much as there is at, at football, but I'm telling you, you are right. Like if baseball, baseball could totally take off in Dallas. Well, tell me that the, that this isn't a, a Mav city now. When I, when I moved here in 94, 
they were coming off of they were coming off of some of their best seasons going into their some of their very worst seasons and reunion arena when they were playing the lakers in the western conference finals was packed every night reunion arena had 800 people there when their best player was Doug Smith. <laughs> but whenever they brought in a, when an owner like Cuban bought the team and showed the city that he cared about the club, mm-hmm. we got behind the Mavericks. I yeah. mean, in t- 2006 to, or 2003 to 2013, this was a big-time Maverick city. I mean, a big-time basketball town. Sellouts mm-hmm. every night for so many years. I mean, that can happen with baseball. I mean, maybe not sellouts every night, but having 30,000 at the ballpark every night, um, even during weekdays and getting people into the into the ballpark, that can happen if this mm-hmm. is a winner. And right. there's no reason why they're not in a position to start moving in that right direction now. I 100% agree. There are baseball clubs, select leagues, every kind of baseball league known to man uh, from the West end of Fort Worth to the East end of Dallas to the North end of, you know, the airport down South to forest Hill or wherever it is. I mean, there is baseball everywhere at every level in Dallas, Fort Worth. And if you had a winner there, you'd have kids wanting to become Texas Rangers um, when they grow up. And I think it's totally possible. I feel like we were very lucky that some of our formidable years were 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, where they had good teams here. They didn't win every pennant that year, but they won three. They made it to the playoffs. They, you know, I mean, they got beat by Yankee teams that won World Series. Yep. You know, I mean, that means everybody else got beat by them too. Yeah. They just, they got a bad draw just being the wild card team coming out of the AL West or East. Right. You know, right. I mean, uh, and maybe they'd have had more luck with the Yankees in, in a seven game series instead of a five. I don't know. Who knows? But well, I, brother, I don't know. Well, brother, I'm going to, I'm going to bring us in for a landing. Um, as always, bull, it's a pleasure. I love talking baseball with you. Um, and, of course, this was a good show. I felt like we talked a little bit more than just about outfield. We talked a little bit about Rangers culture and baseball culture in Texas. And really just – I think we're both really excited about this season and really excited about the direction of the team. And uh, I just can't wait to keep talking Rangers uh, throughout the year uh, with you. And, and, you know, as this uh, audience grows, uh, they can see our enthusiasm for baseball, how much we love the game. Uh, and how much we love the Texas Rangers. So I just want to give a big thank you to everybody that listened tonight and who does tune into the show. Um, Bull, I'm going to turn it over to you to, to as we say in, in wrestling, take it home, brother. Well, uh, again, I just want to thank everybody that listens. And, uh, um, you know, we'll be off tomorrow on Wednesday, but we'll be back Thursday. Hopefully we'll give uh, – uh, Ray Davis, Chris Young, and the crew a little bit of time to uh, make something happen. And <laughs> Thursday, we'll be back on the air with uh, – we'll either start talking about uh, center field or we'll be talking about something fun that the Rangers did. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This is Texas Rangers with the boys. Signing, signing out. out.
Hey. I don't know what that 